Okay, welcome Zamboni Funk to the Plant Cutting Podcast again. Thank you so much for having me here again. Yeah. I love being here. Thanks. Yeah, we love chatting with you and uh, really excited to um, get into some of the upcoming astro weather with you and um, dive deep into some things. So thank you again. And um, how have you been doing? Yeah, how have you been doing? I guess let's start there. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I've been doing good Um, since the last time. I was here. I have launched a podcast of my own. It's called What is the Time? Um, so I have been working diligently on that um, and, you know, interviewing some friends and uh, colleagues and teachers of mine and trying to sort of like engage with what time is it in the world right now and what even am time and um, you know, it's a, it's a podcast about personal sovereignty, uh, celestial timing and living where to get in is good, you know, so, so it's about sort of like, uh, thinking outside the box that we've been stuck in for so long and sort of generating the, the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. Shout out Charles Eisenstein. So, um, so yeah, I've been doing that. I made this whole podcast and, uh, been doing that. Still been doing these dailies and daily forecasts, do weekly forecasts. I've been doing, I had, had been doing monthly forecasts for, I guess the last time we talked was early in the year. We did a year ahead 2022, right? So for basically that whole intervening period, I've been doing monthlies. I don't do those monthlies anymore, um, but I do on the podcast do quarterly forecasts. So I turned into a weatherman when I wasn't looking. <laughs> um so yeah it's been a it's been a party you know yeah yeah we love your dailies and your weeklies and your your patreon so thank you so much mm. for just like pumping out all this amazing content for us because i've learned so much from you for sure for sure oh i also released some music in that time i, I yeah. there's a song on spotify and title and pandora and all this it's called can't help myself it's under the name zamboni funk you can find it in all those places mm-hmm. um it is the jam i'm super yes, excited about it it is really I, good um, I knew that I couldn't make a product that would like feel like a thorn in my side sometimes if I heard it and there's a, there's oh in that spot I just wish that it was I knew I couldn't live with that and <laughs> yeah. so I did all the things I made yeah. sure that it was perfect from top to bottom and so that four minute period of time is like amazing I'm super proud amazing I've released about three full albums and I don't think a single track is perfect <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have like mm-hmm. a full band and it was yeah. <laughs> I, I and appreciate that like actually yeah. making, taking the time and like making sure it's perfect mm-hmm. I'm a little too impatient sometimes <laughs> sure well it's a whole different there, there are way, different ways to approach you know you there yeah. are you know that that song took me 11 years to get out and so we can definitely talk about how the perfect can be the enemy of the good uh-huh. you know like I could have had so many more songs out at this point rather than just the one perfect tune oh, so you know it's different approaches but um my dad always told me anything worth doing is worth doing well and yes. so I try to do that I try to produce quality content yeah at, at, at every moment yeah I really appreciate that yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm moving in that direction <laughs> trying to get there and congrats on the podcast yeah it's really exciting oh, yeah heard, heard your episode with gordon white thought that was really uh good there's a lot of very interesting conversation happening mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah i tried to ask him questions that no one else was asking him mm-hmm. yeah you know because everybody wants to be like so why animistic 
Uh-huh. And I, and I didn't even yeah. talk about animistic partially because I haven't read it, but also because, uh, you know, I just, he, I, I listened to him on like four podcasts before that and it was, yeah. everybody wanted to ask that question. And so I tried to get into some other things yeah. and he, he ended up talking about the, the meaning of life uh, yeah. and all this sort of stuff. It was like, it was really nice. It was a nice conversation. Glad that we were able to do that. Really cool. <clears throat> so, uh, I guess we should get into the the weather, yeah. right, Mister sure. Man? <laughs> we've got like uh, we've got some fun stuff happening. It's and it's already happening, right? So Mars Mars mm-hmm. entered, entered uh, Gemini in August, and he's going to be there until March. March is that? That seems that's like about the longest that uh, a plant that Mars is in a sign, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this will this will happen every time that Mars does a retrograde. Uh, Mars will spend so typically Mars spends about two months in a sign Mm. Um, and then so you know once it'll slow down for a long period of time and so typically Mars will go like at an average rate Mars will go about a half a degree a day but then it'll slow down for a long period of time and it'll stop and it'll be more or less stationary for a fairly long period of time. Uh, this relative to like a Venus or a Mercury retrograde or something like that. It'll be, and by stationary, I mean um, against the same backdrop of fixed stars, right? So the fixed stars that are behind Mars will be the same stars. And so Mars will be sort of like stopped in place relative to those stars, not relative to anything else because everything else is all always moving, right? But always the fixed stars are the are the most fixed thing that there is. And so when I say stationary, that's what I mean. But then, so there'll be a slowing down and stopping and then go back through the uh, Gemini. And I think it goes back to eight degrees of Gemini or something like this, and then s- slow down and stop again and then go forward again. And so that whole time period takes you know, forever and a day, also known as eight months or something like this. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess also it's like continuous too, because it goes through almost the whole, uh, he goes to like 25 degrees mm-hmm. Gemini. So if you were, if like, it, uh, if it was, a, if he had gone retrograde at eight degrees Gemini, for instance, he would have gone back into mm-hmm. Taurus, but he's in Gemini this whole time continuously. Correct. Does Mars mm-hmm. like being in Gemini? That's a good question. Um, Gemini is a sign that Mars doesn't, uh, it's, it's neutral. It's like not, it's not especially excellent for Mars the way that like Scorpio or Capricorn would be. It's not particularly terrible for Mars the way that Cancer or Taurus could be. Uh, Mars and Gemini just does fine. It does Mars things in this area. You know, we can think about, um, you know, it, it, it gets into sort of more, rather than thinking with like strength or debility we can think more with uh ways of characterizing it you know so mars is going to want to be activity and it's going to want to be motion it's going to want to get up and do stuff it can be mm-hmm. um you know it can be inflammation it can be um rage and anger any any of this sort of stuff right and then we can think about those things in a gemini context well what does gemini like to do gemini okay. likes to tell stories gemini likes to uh, engage narrative or words generally you know we can think about gemini or mercury as being mercury is the ruler of gemini we can okay. think about um mercury as being a journalist right and so we can think about reporting the news we can think about telling stories in some kind of way uh, gemini on a bad day might be thought of as a liar um there are ways so and so 
uh, Gemini with Mars in it for such a long period of time, Mars, of course, being a malefic, a malefic being a planet that will bring us discomfort or uh, things that are generally uh, sort of like that people don't like as much, right? So we can think of the, that as being sort of a bummer. Maybe that is the bad day for, for Gemini, right? We, maybe we see um, outlandish tall tales and this sort of stuff that wants to come up through this period of time. And um, as well as like anxious thoughts and anxiety, or, you know, if we think about Mercury and Gemini as being like super heady and wants to engage in words and language and this sort of stuff. We can think about arguments taking place during this time, right? Okay. This big, big argument time period. I think also the um, the natal chart of Twitter has Mars and Gemini in it. Oh. And so this is, a, um, this is a Mars return for uh, Twitter, which is going to take, take place over this eight month period of time as well. So if you want to get in, in an argument on Twitter, there's never been a stronger time to do that. <laughs> Yeah, okay. these are very good guys for that. Cool. <laughs> so I, I never did Twitter. I don't know why. I, I did Facebook because it, it came out right when I uh, went to college. So I was like, I got like the the EDU college, <laughs> the email. college email thing. And so I, that was just the one that I did. But um, I do remember last time that Mars was in Gemini, I got into a lot of arguments on Facebook. Uh, sure. And, and yeah, then wherever I, the comment section is, yeah, Mars and Gemini <laughs> right. will be happy to get you get things riled up in that space for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so Mars is like I think of like fiery and like inflamed and swords and just mm -hmm. like the warrior, and then and Gemini is like mostly related to like speech and and things like that. So yeah, I can see how mm -hmm. the comment section, mind words and anxiety. I didn't think about that. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, that could be a theme. Um, so it's like the it's the mutable air, right? So in my mind, it's the most airy air. It's the most mm -hmm. changeable uh, mercurial sign, you know, like the other sure. mercury sign Virgo is is an earth sign. It's kind of a lot more organized and like down to earth. But I, th I feel like Gemini just like goes off the rails. That's like the train uh, flying. <laughs> sure. Yeah, if we're thinking about Mercury, right, then I think that like the difference between Gemini and Virgo is going to be Gemini is it like going to be maybe more politician, it's going to be more um, storytelling, it wants to talk about stuff, whereas Virgo is going to be more mercantile, it's going to be mm. more you know, if you want to sell products and you want to make a profit and this sort of stuff, you need to be organized about that shit. You need mm -hmm. to know how much money it took you to produce your product and how much it takes to run your table at the event and how much you need to, you you know, your Y equals MX plus B game needs to be tight if you want to be on all that sort of stuff. Virgo is really good at that sort of thing. Uh, Mercury is really good at math as well as being good at uh, bullshitting or, you know, like word arts. Okay. Hmm. Propaganda campaigns, that sort of stuff. Uh -huh. And so uh, Mars is going to go retrograde. It's going to station mm -hmm. retrograde, what, October 25th or, or October 30th? 30th? I think the 30th. 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 So what, what, what does that, what does that mean? <laughs> Mars going retrograde? Yeah. Like for the, our yeah, listeners. No. Yeah. It, well, we're going to think, you know, so extra Mars. Yeah. Is how I like to think about Mars retrograde. So Mars, unlike 
some other planets. So, so if you take Mercury, for example, Mercury's job is to communicate. So when Mercury is strong and going direct, then we can think about communications taking place well. We can think about people understanding what you meant. You can think about uh, you sent a thing and it got there on time. It got to the right place on time, right? Whereas Mercury retrograde will mean miscommunications. It'll mean that the package gets delayed. It goes to a different place, this kind of thing, right? So what Mercury retrograde does is it takes Mercury's significations and it flips them. And so where Mercury had meant communication when it was direct, it means miscommunication when it's retrograde. That same thing is not going to happen with Mars. So where Mars on when it's strong and direct, Mars is going to mean aggression or inflammation or problem solving and this sort of stuff. Then Mars retrograde is going to be more Mars. It's going to be, oh. it's going to want to do more aggression, more inflammation. Um, I mentioned problem solving before. Mars at its best is a problem solver. Mm. So if you are looking at too much Mars, which is totally a thing that happens almost all the time during uh, Mars retrograde, mm -hmm. then uh, a good way to sort of deal with that is to give Mars somewhere to go. So you can do that by uh, looking at like a sauna or exercise or something like this, get hot and sweaty. Sex does that too. Mm -hmm. Or you can also give it somewhere to go by having a problem to solve, something to try to actively try to work on. Whenever I think about Mars, one of the things that I like to think about a lot is a, uh, a cooped up German shepherd that okay. you just, you like left him in the crib while you went outside. Mm -hmm. you, you went out and went to the post office or whatever it was, and then German Shepherd got all lonely, had a lot of feelings, and mm -hmm. didn't know what to do, and so ran around the house and tore a bunch of shit up. So <laughs> yeah. this is how Mars can operate, right? If you don't give Mars somewhere to go, whereas that same dog, you give that dog a, a herd of sheep to to boss around mm -hmm. and it knows what to do it's this dog is having a great life this yeah. dog is not acting out this dog is not causing problems this dog is working right mm -hmm. and so this is one of the ways that i like to think about mars mars if you give mars a job then it'll function much more effectively than if you just leave it in the crib to fuck shit up yeah totally that's a really good analogy to think about it and so other than like giving him a, a problem to solve and sweating it out, like, are there any herbs that we could use internally? Like to, mm. I know we're not doctors, like we are herbalists, but like, is there anything that um, we can use to like pacify the Mars? If we're wanting to incorporate some herbs into our life, would you go mm. for like the warming herbs or would you go for like the cooling herbs? You know, sure. What direction do you go? Yeah, well, so it's the, it, in herbalism, you're always going to run into this question, do you, do you treat like with like, or do you treat like with uh, opposites, right? And so that is still up to you. You can still yeah. do that however you want. If it were me, I probably wouldn't put a bunch of cayenne on stuff during this time. You know, this is you know, unless, unless that's just how you live already, right? If you, mm -hmm. if you are already doing spicy things, then that's not going to be like too much of a deal for you. But if yeah. you're like, Ooh, Mars is retrograde. I'm just going to cayenne the shit out of this. Yeah. Then now you might hurt yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. Which may be Mars remediation, right? If you like burn your mouth, maybe you don't get into the accident or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, so maybe that would, maybe that would work. 
But um, if I were, you know, so if I'm looking at Mars retrograde in Gemini, I'm thinking about a lot of anxiety. I'm thinking about uh, a lot of running back and forth. I'm also thinking a lot about one of the things that will happen during Mars retrograde is not only too much Mars. So it's not going to be like super energetic for a period of eight months. Rather than that, it's more likely to be super energetic, too much Mars, and then nothing. Now I'm just like completely depleted. I have no... And then this, these sort of like peaks and valleys yeah. is, is much more how we, you know, when we think of malefics in general, but meaning both Mars and Saturn, but definitely Mars here, um, we're going to be looking at extremity as kind of one of our main, uh, one of our primary signifiers. And so there'll be like these extreme highs and these extreme lows. So then coming to your question, like, what are some good uh, plant friends to 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 be with in a time like that. Well, so we can think about something like lemon balm, for example, right, which is going to be yeah, mm-hmm. lemon yes. balm, mm-hmm. chill, calming. You know, mm-hmm. like um, it's going to want to sort of push you back toward the middle. Tulsi is another one that'll yeah. sort of like want to push you. Like, okay, yeah, I know, I know, it's crazy, but like we're just gonna we're just gonna <laughs> keep it keep it right here for right now. You know, this kind of thing. So moderating herbs and moderating herbs. Yeah. Reishi, something like that. And so we look at like Jupiter is the, the planet of, of moderation. Mainly, sure. maybe, but he's also a little bit warming, but he's, he's moist too. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe Jupiterian herbs could be, mm-hmm. could be good too, but it also depends on what exactly is happening. Like on the specific. And definitely. Yeah. Of course. yeah. But so looking at it from a medical perspective, medical astrology perspective, um, Gemini rules the hands, the arms, the shoulders, mm-hmm. the lungs, the throat, uh, air, breath. Mm-hmm. So all of those, those, th- those things s- seem like maybe, maybe the, should be looked at. So those would be like at risk for like Mars inflammation yeah. stuff you're saying? Yeah. So an, mm-hmm. it, inflammation in the lungs would be a potential thing or like puncture wounds on your hands. Or like a German shepherd bites. <laughs> yeah, or maybe sore shoulders. I actually have a, a sore shoulder. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and for those, what 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 would you what would you suggest for for those kind of things? Uh, so for punctures, um, well, first of all, cleaning it out really good and not putting herbs like packing herbs into it because you could heal the outside of the skin before you heal the puncture wound. So using some saline solution or hydrogen peroxide to just like get it out. Um, and then I love calendula honey, calendula and raw honey, um, is an amazing wound healer. Um, so before you, before you move on there, I'm loving this list, please continue. But, um, before we do that, I, one of the things that I hear you saying here is be careful not to rush the thing. Right. Uh-huh. So Mars retrograde and Mars retrograde in Gemini is going to want to rush it. It's going to want to mm-hmm. go super fast. It's going to want to think about the Knight of Wands. You know, it's going to want to like back and forth and forth and back. It's never, mm-hmm. you know, like so if you imagine the Knight of Wands, if you don't know what that looks like, then imagine a dude on a horse and the horse is sprinting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like going as swords is what I'm thinking about. Knight of Swords, just like as fast as possible, just like, you know, and they're, they're like in these lines and everything. So this is this is a little bit how uh, Mars and Gemini is going to want to be. It's going to mm-hmm. want to go back and forth super, super quick. So what you're saying here, I think, is what yeah. I'm hearing is like, beware of the temptation to rush. If, if something is bleeding, then you're going to be like, ah, stop it. 
Right. But rather than that, you want to yeah. make sure that you're like you're healing down healing to, from the, to out, the core yeah. of the issue or to the bottom of it rather than rushing. Is that what I heard you say? Exactly. Yeah. For also, sure. Also, maybe not rushing will not get you into a position where uh, you get punctured. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you do need to stop the bleeding, though, Yarrow is your friend. <laughs> sure. Yarrow is an amazing um poultice or you can do like a wash or compress with the yarrow tea but it will it will help stop the bleeding it's an age-old wound healer yeah um, very uh, i mean it's named achillea right after achilles the yeah. the famous warrior who's very martial it's true yeah <laughs> but i don't know if Achilles. well yeah yeah so then there's also lung inflammation we could potentially be seeing happening mm-hmm. and that would be i guess Stuff like elecampane? Well, yeah. I mean, elecampane is very warming herbs, so I might not use elecampane if there's like specific inflammation and heat, but um, something like mullein or bical skullcap is a really cooling lung herb, and it's also um, like a kill shit herb. So if there's like an inflamed heat because of infection, that can help. Reishi as like a immune modulator as well as it's specific to the lungs um marshmallow marshmallow would be super soothing i, I feel like that. were you just thinking that yeah for mm-hmm. anything like inflamed marshmallow is uh, a mucilaginous slippery slimy herb that's going to be coating all the mucous membranes in the throat and lungs and um that would be definitely a good one to mitigate some of the like mars fire i'm imagining mm-hmm. yeah Agreed. Yeah, think soothing. Soothing, soothing. yeah. You know, like Mars, mm-hmm. Mars retrograde in Gemini is going to be uh, very agitating. Yeah. Mm. So how can we come off off of agitation? Mm. And so so you can do like so, uh, you know, in the event that you're using marshmallow or something like that, like you probably got a cough or something like this. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like reishi is going to be sort of like I'm aware that this is possible. So let me just be on this all the time and keep it trill and easy all the time. That's one of the things I really love about Reishi is Reishi just loves to be here. And so like, (laughs) if you can get a little bit of that, you know, just on the daily, on the regular, then that can be super helpful. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's definitely something that we we take, we take every day. And Mm -hmm. it was like that one of the supreme, like moderating herbs. Yeah, so I feel like we covered the the Mars and Gemini issue, which was good to start with because it's such a long period, you know, from it started in August until March, you know, so it's going to be a long chunk there. And I feel like, is there anything else that you wanted to add about that before we move on to another space weather aspect? Well, I I was wondering also if we go into a little bit like different rising signs is is going to depend on like what mars is going to be doing in your chart like for instance i'm sagittarius rising so it's going to be going through my seventh whole sign house so we're going to have to to to... (laughs) that's the house of relationships yeah so it's going to go oh yeah but so any very you know well yeah so what 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 are you are you seeing any any of this happening up in your client work or like in yourself like um and what yeah like what should people be looking for Sure. Yeah. Well, so I don't really want to go through and do all 12 houses. Yeah, that would, yeah. That would take but, a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that'll take a while to do. 
Um, yeah, but I mean, you're the way that you did it there is right. It's like, okay, so I'm Sagittarius rising. So that puts Gemini in the seventh. The seventh is uh, the place where we have relationships. We have one-on-one situations. We have partnerships. We have other people generally. So what would happen if we did Mars retrograde, which wants to inflame, it wants to cause anxiety, it wants to uh, be a little ragey, it wants to be, it needs to, it needs a problem to solve. Maybe there are problems to solve. Maybe this signifies problems that need solving. One of the things that I think of with uh, Mars is that it's extremely motivating, right? But it's motivating in that malefic kind of way, in that uncomfortable kind of way. It's motivating in the way that if you sit down on attack, it super motivates you to get up immediately, right? Uh-huh. Like you are extremely motivated. It's not because it was fun, but because you had to get your ass out that chair immediately, right? Yeah. So if we've got that kind of vibe, and that's showing up in the seventh house, which has to do with relationships, then like, okay, well, maybe um, I'm going to have some trouble or strife or inflammation, anxiety in my relationship. Maybe my seventh house person, maybe my partner, maybe my relationship partner, my business partner, maybe just other people that I'm around, maybe a roommate or something like this. Maybe those people are in anxious situations, maybe that person experiences an accident or something like this. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that can happen here. So that is the sort of inductive way to put it together. It's like, okay, we know what Mars retrograde in Gemini is. And then we put that together with, uh, so maybe Mars is gonna be in the 10th, right? Maybe you've got a Virgo rising. And so you've got uh, Gemini in the 10th and Mars is gonna be retrograde there forever and a day. Well, so maybe, um, the so the 10th, this is gonna be the most visible area of sky, which is also gonna to correlate to the most visible area of your life. So we're talking about career, we're talking about public, uh, the public sphere, we're talking about reputation, that sort of thing. Um, and then uh, we're also talking about superiors, like people who are your boss, if you, if you live in a, or if you have a job where you've got a boss or that sort of thing. Um, people who are higher up than you in the hierarchy, then those people, same way, maybe those people experience an accident, maybe those people um, are in some kind of stressful or anxious situation, or maybe those people are mad at you, and you have to uh, engage that or deal with that or in your workplace or something like this, maybe, you know, that that could also be just like a lot of activity. You know, so in the um, in the 10th house, rather than the seventh house, so if we put it in the seventh house, then um, it's like, there's a lot of shit that we got to deal with. If we put it in the 10th house, then it might be and so uh, that means that Mercury is also ruling your rising in Virgo, then this could be a situation where it's like, it's go time for you. It's time like, if it's in the 10th house, maybe you've got a big project at work that you need to get done. And it's stressful and it's anxiety producing and that sort of stuff. But you have to, you have to work really hard in order to get your productivity game together or something like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Those are great examples. Thank you. Yeah. And so this is a great way for people who are wanting to learn more about astrology and how it actually affects you to just, you know, look at your chart. So your rising is count by whole signs to what mm-hmm. house Mars is going to be. And it's going to be in here for eight months. So he's going to be doing something big probably in that house, in that mm-hmm. house and see, see what mm-hmm. it is, see how it, how it affects you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I, one of the things that I've been recommending a lot is like, even if, 
uh, you don't necessarily take notes or journal throughout the whole time. If you want to do a little bit of journaling now, especially at the beginning of this period, mm -hmm. then um, though whatever you write about is likely to be thematically relevant for mm -hmm. this entire for the duration of this event. Okay, that's mm -hmm. good advice too. Cool. Okay, so the eclipse. This to me is the other biggest thing happening in the skies. Um, this quarter, uh, and that's happening November 8th, which also happens to be election day, which is mm -hmm. interesting. Um, and I'm going to pull up a, a chart here soon, but first, um, do you think we get into like, what, what do eclipses mean? What do they represent for, for somebody, for, for individuals? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's important whenever we're doing eclipse stuff, it's important for us to remember what an eclipse is in the first place. So um, the, the sun and the moon are always going together, right? And so the lunar cycle goes, it uh, goes from a conjunction to the sun, that's the new moon, and it goes all the way around. Then we've got the full moon on the other side, and then we've got another conjunction with the sun. That's the, the, and that's the new moon again. That's the lunar cycle that happens every 28 days. So, um, when the moon is conjunct the sun, then two out of those 13 times that that'll happen over the year, two of those times, the, the moon will be in front of like directly in front of the sun. And uh, so and uh, the, all the rest of the times, it'll be off a little bit. So it'll be uh, by longitude, it'll be conjunct the sun, but by latitude, it won't be. So on the moment of the eclipse, then we'll have latitude and longitudinal conjunction, and therefore that will create a shadow. So the moon will be in front of the sun during the new moon solar eclipse. So when the solar eclipse happens, that means the sun is eclipsed. That means we can't see the sun. That means there's a shadow when normally there would be bright sun stuff going on here. Alternatively, sometimes it'll happen where with the full moon. And so we've got the full moon, which is opposite to the sun. And again, there there will be a moment when the the shadow from the earth is cast upon the full moon. So the full moon is normally shining super brightly. But in this moment, instead, we get a shadow. So one of our most important signifiers here is darkness and shadow. It's also something which is kind of confusing, right? Because there's normally a bright light at this time. And then suddenly this time, there's not a bright light. And so what is going on here? One of the ways that I like to think about eclipses is like um, if you were playing a board game and then somebody shut the lights off and there was a little bit of a commotion for about 10 minutes and then lights come back on and the and maybe there's new pieces on the board or some things have been moved around some stuff has been shuffled and now it's like all right go good luck right so there's a sense of like things have changed in the dark maybe because of the dark there's um there'll be some like major changes or some like uh breaks or um you know turning point kind of moments this kind of thing will will show up a lot in um the imagery it's also important to to think with the north node can be thought of as the head of the dragon, which mm -hmm. has been separated from the tail of the dragon. So the north node is the head, south node is the tail. Because they are separate, then they get very full of doing what they do. 
So the North Node, the head, it wants to devour things. It wants to do more, 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 more of whatever it touches. It gets a little greedy sometimes. We can think about the hungry ghost or something like this, just like continuously devouring and never getting satiated. That is associated with the North Node. Currently, we have the North Node in Taurus. And so this eclipse that you're talking about is a full moon lunar eclipse in Taurus. That's going to be on the North Node. So we're going to be looking at more Taurus things, whatever's going on in Taurus. And we can recall that Uranus is currently in Taurus right now, mm -hmm. as well as that Uranus is square to Saturn. So we can think about that Uranus square Saturn moment as getting a boost, as getting a more uh, sort of jolt in that moment. This is meaningfully contrasted with the south node, which is the tail of the dragon. So the tail, all it does is evacuate. All it does is get rid of things, less, less, less of whatever it does. This can be a spiritualizing influence. It can also um, just kind of like divest from whatever that thing is that it's touching. So that is opposite to Taurus. So currently we have the south node in Scorpio. So if you're looking in your own chart, then you can see whatever, wherever that axis is for you, you can look and see um, what houses we're looking at here. We can see what kind of planets you have in that space. And we can think with the north node being a more button and the south node as being a less button. That It's more complicated than that, but that's a, that's a, you can get better than chance if you if that's all you delineate with you can do well with that okay and so the kinds of things that might happen in someone's chart is if for instance their uh their, that is in their fourth house taurus is in their fourth house um then scorpio would be their 10th house it's whole sign house um and that might be something like moving right like sure. like buying a new house or uh something like that and then uh, also, or if it was in the 10th house, that would be like getting fired or starting a new career or something sure. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you'll, you'll usually see both of those playing mm -hmm. at the same time. Usually the south node is getting rid of something in order to make space. And then the north node is going to immediately fill that space with whatever this thing is. And so if you've got the, the fourth and tenth situation going on here, so like let's say you've got the north node in the tenth and the south node in the fourth, right? So you've got Taurus in the tenth. So if you've got Taurus in the tenth, then that's going to want to do more tenth house things. It's going to want to do more midheaven public reputation that sort of stuff it's going to want to get into that i've seen a few people in my client practice who have moved jobs or uh, who, who have moved house and then that sort of makes way for their uh career endeavors a lot of times those those folks as well have not necessarily seen a promotion or something like that but might have gone through a whole different thing i don't even want to do this job anymore i'm i'm trying to change it and do uh, i want to get into a different field or something like this like major changes taking place but also a focus in that direction i want to go more of that interesting yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense and so we also have um in Taurus, the the Uranus, which is sure. it's uh, is it retrograde net yet, or it's gonna be retrograde? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> it's retrograde a lot. I, do, anyway. I honestly don't be playing with uh, outer planet retrogrades too much. Okay. Everything out from Mars, like I kind of don't care. Okay. Um. So, but which doesn't mean it's not a real thing. Like to all the astrologers listening, I know that it's a real thing. I just like it, there's plenty of stuff to pay attention to. It's just not one of the things that I pay attention to. Right. Can you just talk a little bit first about what Uranus represents? 
and uh, how they feel about being in Taurus. Totally, totally. Yeah. So Uranus is the planet of uh, sudden changes. A lot of times there's going to be disruption whenever we see Uranus around. One of my favorite images for Uranus is uh, like when they are they're in the temple and they're like gambling and, and playing games and whatever. And then Jesus shows up in the temple. And he's like, what the fuck? And starts kicking tables over and shit like this. And like everybody's like, mild manner, Jesus, what are you doing? Right. So it's <laughs> like there's this sudden turnaround that that causes chaos and disruption. Right. So um, there's that. That's one of my favorite Uranus images. Also, my teacher, Austin Kopic also always talks about the mad scientist. Yeah, um, there's something really strongly experimental about the way that Uranus operates. Uranus cares so strongly about liberation as to not really know, like, if I don't know where I'm going, but I know that it needs to be anywhere but here, then Uranus is really strong with that kind of thing. So then if we've got the north node on uranus then it's going to want to do more uranus right it's going to want to do more disruption it's going to want to do more uh people have been talking about uranus and taurus as civil unrest and that sort of stuff more of that sort of thing we want to look at uh more of the like liberation whatever that looks like for you okay. yeah and um i know a lot of uh even modern astrologers these days don't use the outer planet um rulerships anymore mm -hmm. um but traditionally in like pre-psychological modern astrology uranus is in his fall in taurus which <laughs> can be uh even more you know difficult mm -hmm. but you know who, i i'm not quite sure on, on how i do that yet either but um sure but with this we can think Oh, yeah. With that, with that, what you're talking about there, we one of the things that might be useful to think with here is that Taurus is a fixed Earth sign, yeah. And so Taurus's job is to be stable, is to be yeah. fixed, is to be the same thing that you always thought it was going to be. One of my favorite images for Taurus is the mighty oak tree, right? Mm -hmm. It is so thick and robust and it's not going and fragrant and it's not going anywhere it's just right. like so in there and it took a long time to get here and it's not going anywhere and all this sort of stuff right mm -hmm. so then bring uranus into that situation and it's like a major storm is taking place lightning does bolt. this mighty oak tree yeah. know how to deal with a windstorm like that mm -hmm. one thing that i've been saying to my clients a lot is that for taurus placements it, um like this is a moment for the mighty oak tree to learn the lessons of the cattails. Mm. So if the cattails deal with that same windstorm, then the winds blow super strong and the cattails just lay down. Mm. And then in, in the morning when the storm is over, they stand back up again. Hi, slip yeah. up the sun, you know? <laughs> Whereas the the mighty oak tree resisted the the influence of the windstorm and because of that resistance maybe it broke during the night and then doesn't get to stand back up anymore right and so there's a there's a lesson here in flexibility or something like this very cool yeah yeah and so uh ne necessarily the north and south node are conjunct the sun and the and the moon um whenever there's an eclipse right so that Correct. kind of is already that is what an eclipse is yeah. yeah um but the uranus is definitely not always conjunct <laughs> one of those mm -hmm. so in this in 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 this eclipse this particular eclipse uranus is it, well actually the moon is being flanked by uranus and the and the and the node let me let me just go ahead and pull this up so sure. people can see what this looks like 
So this is this is a chart for Washington, Washington, D.C., which is the capital of, of the U.S., obviously. And uh, here we have the moon in Taurus um, flanked by Uranus and the North Node. Mm. And then it's opposite to the sun, who's flanked by uh, Mercury and Venus and also the South Node. It's not shown on on this chart. The South Node isn't shown, but it's just the opposite of wherever the North Node is. So it'd be 13 degrees Scorpio. Um, but like, so that is a really interesting uh, mm. thing happening because the, the eclipse is already like massive changes and like phase phase shifts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Uranus also kind of represents those kind of things too, like revolutions, uh, big changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> the North Node is like upping Expanding, everything. So yeah. this, this seems to me to be a, a pretty uh, powerful eclipse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As eclipses go, this is among the more powerful of them because this is a super it's super close to the node. And um, yeah, it's going to it's going to want to, you know, really do the Ur- Uranus stuff really big. Mm-hmm. Um, we can also see in that chart that um, Mercury and Venus are um, opposite to that full moon in Taurus as well. And so we might expect, um, you know, if we think about Uranus is being kind of like a lightning bolt sort of situation, then, um, you know, it might be some kind of electrifying news or something like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I guess another important thing here is that the moon is is exalted in Taurus, too. Sure. So she does really well in Taurus. (laughs) And the the full moon is kind of like the height of the light in in Taurus, you know? Sure. And, but it's this then this like eclipse but it's eclipse right <laughs> so yeah that's gonna be so maybe we could talk a little bit about um this chart then um sure. so in mundane astrology one of the things that will that we do is look at um at, at charts of ingresses and of, of lunations especially eclipses and so we have been talking about how things like uh, Mars in Gemini and and this uh, eclipse affect the individual, but this chart will kind of show how it it affects the collective the of, the, of the U.S. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's set for uh, Washington D.C. and um, it's at the, at the exact perfection of the the opposition between the Moon and the Sun, and um, so in, in this chart, we have Libra rising. So uh, Venus kind of rules the, this chart and she's in her fall mm. in Scorpio. Mm-hmm. And um, Venus is also ruling that Taurus moon and, um, yeah. and Uranus. And as, as we will also see in the um, Libra ingress chart here, uh, which is the, the, the chart for when the sun enters Libra. So it's the exact fall equinox um in washington dc we have yeah okay yeah we have um it also (laughs) the ascendant is at 17 degrees taurus flanked by uranus and the north node so Mm -hmm. uh, venus also rules this chart and we also have Uranus and the North Node right on the ascendant here. But to go Mm -hmm. back to the uh so there these charts are are uh they, they're a pair you know they, they come together mm. um but to look at the at the at the lunar eclipse chart um 
when you when you look at at a uh, mundane chart, you, we can see how so the sun will represent like the head of government. Um, the Mercury can represent like the chattering class, the media. Um, the moon represents like the the politically aware or not aware, but politically powerful people. So the classes that actually have a say lobbyists in, in or something. Politi- yeah, in politics, people with money and influence. Um, and so on. And, and we have Saturn here uh, who's T-squaring this whole thing. And that represents the rural hinterlands. And so rural population. Um, but here we have, <laughs> we have a lot of uh, difficulties going on because we have this big T-square here, mostly this opposition with a, a lot of the planets. There's not a lot of um, helpful aspects happening. There's a lot of oppositions and squares. Um, so and- what is it? What does a T-square signify? Zamboni? Sure. So um, a T-square is an opposition with a square with it, right? So Mm -hmm. um, squares and oppositions, those are the aspects that are associated with Mars and Saturn, respectively. Um, So they are the ones that are going to be associated with tension, with conflict, with difficulty, um, usually when I think about a T-square, one of my favorite things to think with, especially in a natal chart, um, in, in a mundane chart, it's a little different. Um, and so might not, this might not work quite as well for a mundane chart, but for a natal chart, uh, one thing that I often, uh, tell people is that like, so the, the opposition can be thought of as the tension of a bowstring, right? Mm-hmm. And then the the other square is like pulling on that right and so there's this massive tension that's going on that's taking place here and and pulling on that bowstring makes it even more taut than it already was it was like it was already straight but then you add even more tension to it and it like brings all this tension to the surface right but that tension is what then goes on to launch you toward whatever the other way is and so that's going to be in this chart it's going to want to be uh leo stuff Right, it's going to want to push toward that uh, more like Leo, Leonine kind of direction, right? And so, in so in a natal chart, there's definitely that kind of tension and release that you can then sort of like work on, uh, sort of navigating throughout the duration of your life, right? Um, in this chart, this is going to more speak to the one moment. Um, and then, and because it's an eclipse, it's not going to just be the one moment. It's going to be, we're going to, this moment is going to be active until we get the next set of eclipses when the sun is back in Taurus. So that's going to be in April of 2023. So we've got this like longer period of time that this chart is going to be active here. Um, you know, it looks super tense in, (laughs) in like all of the ways it looks like a lot of conflict. It looks like, so this looks like one of our, um, last head offs of Uranus and Taurus versus Saturn in Aquarius. So to my mind, we've got to, we sort of need to look at the larger picture here. So Saturn has been in excellent position as far as Saturn is concerned for a really long time. Saturn was first in Capricorn in 2018, then throughout 
this whole time from 2018, Saturn has been in domicile from Capricorn into Aquarius. And so Saturn has been in super strong position. Not only has it been Saturn in domicile, but it's also been Saturn with Pluto. And so one of the things that Pluto will do is Pluto will magnify whatever it is that it touches. We're, we're thinking about um, like telescopes or microscopes or this kind of thing, like taking something that's super small and making it super big so that it's mm -hmm. like workable or whatever, right? And so, um, so we have obviously seen Saturn and Pluto doing Saturn Pluto things. A lot of times Saturn Pluto historically has meant things like slavery or uh, prisons and this kind of thing. Um, we saw a lot of uh, push toward isolation throughout that, that Saturn in yep. Saturn Pluto period and all this sort of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So Saturn has been super strong for this whole five year period of time which also and that five-year period of time encompassed the switch over from the earth triplicity to to air triplicity which is this wider 200 year situation where uh we've got like 200 years of saturn jupiter conjunctions and earth signs that sort of uh speaks to a kind of reality in that 200 year period which it, it sort of like uh bases itself around earth things it bases itself around materialism and um you know the the kind of like physical nature of things whereas uh moving forward we're gonna have saturn jupiter conjunctions in air signs which is uh gonna be more sort of mind oriented and the, like the nature of reality sort of gets into intelligence and mind and communications and things of this nature so throughout that five-year period of time we experienced that changeover from the old world to the new world right and so yeah. we're headed now into the future welcome to the jetsons we are here the mm -hmm. future is now right yeah. and so we are moving into that and throughout that whole time saturn has been in super strong position saturn is the one that wants to do boundaries that wants to do borders that wants to do systems structures organization that sort of thing now we are at the very end of Saturn in Aquarius. So mm -hmm. this is our last gasp of Saturn in Aquarius. So yep. Saturn in uh, March of 2023 is going to move into Pisces. And then we don't have Saturn in dignity again for another like uh, 20 years or something like that. Really? So yeah, <laughs> Saturn is exalted in Libra. And yep. so we'll, we'll have to do three years of Saturn in Pisces and three years of uh saturn in aries and then uh -huh. three years in taurus and three years in gemini and three years in cancer three years uh -huh. in leo three years in virgo before we finally arrive at saturn in libra and that and that's an exalted strong dignified saturn again so we don't have super strong saturn structures authority systems in place for that whole time period also during that time period we've also got saturn with neptune for five years we've got saturn with neptune in pisces and then followed by saturn with neptune in uh aries so what we're seeing here and neptune by the way is about like uh dissolving boundaries and like the the oneness of everything whereas saturn wants to sort of like give us rigid structures that i like to think about saturn as like being the monkey bars like you can't swing unless you have something to hold on to right mm -hmm. and so um whereas neptune is like how about the ocean who needs to swim or swing when you can like float forever yes. right <laughs> so saturn with neptune is likely to be sort of difficult on the saturn thing we can think about efficiency and structures and organizations and authorities and this kind of thing right so we are at the very end of this moment of saturn being in super 
strong position. And we see Saturn in this moment having to deal with a whole bunch of Uranus. So Uranus being the rebels, being the, the ones who uh, want to challenge authority. Uh, Uranus cares so deeply about liberation and this sort of thing, right? So Uranus is going to like rough up that Saturn. And Saturn up to this point has been in position to hold that down, has been able to be like, all right, I still said that the rule is going to be this way. And so it's going to be like this. But mm -hmm. Uranus is starting to get these shots in. And it's starting to like really like the some Saturn is taking damage at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you think of as Saturn, like, uh, and we can think about authority structures. We can also think about like uh, whatever you do in your life as Saturn. Some, sometimes you got to tell somebody no. Sometimes you got to like put up boundaries and barriers and that sort of stuff. We've seen a lot of strong proliferation of like, um, you know, like leave all, leave all your bullshit friends behind and yeah. just do you and that sort of stuff in the, in the culture that has shown up have, super yeah. strongly in this past five years. Mm -hmm. um, but so Saturn is running out of gas here. Mm, and yeah. so Uranus, even though Uranus is in the inferior position, like where Saturn has so much on his plate that it's about to fall off. Mm -hmm. Now, to my mind, I've been looking at that and thinking that Saturn is also making this trine to Mars retrograde in Gemini, right? Yeah. And so we've got this strong Mars situation. So Mars, if we've got like Saturn as authority, as power structures and this kind of thing, then Mars is going to be generals. It's going to be militaries. It's going to be warriors, right? And so those two are in a trine relationship. That means that they are helpful and supportive to one another. That okay. means that Saturn, especially in that overcoming trine to Mars in Gemini, Saturn is also in domicile and Mars is just in a side. So that Saturn is going to want to support whatever Mars is doing. So to my mind, this looks a little bit like um, authorities and power structures seeing that their influence is waning. And mm -hmm. because of that, we need to get some uh, we like some territorial acquisitions or whatever Mars does for the authority figures. It's like we need to get that done right now. And we need doubling to doubling down like, on the efforts yeah, of accelerate that. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So um, I did want to mention a couple more things That's... about the this this particular chart too. Is is that? Sure. Um, so uh, I've been learning uh, this mundane astrology a little more from John Michael Greer, and you can check out his Patreon. He has ingress charts and, and eclipse charts. Um, so just wanted to put that out there. So, um, so this is where I'm getting some of this information uh, from. His he's releasing a book available to his patrons on on uh, on mundane astrology. But so what he says is that um, eclipses in fixed signs uh, lead to enduring change. So this, the, the, kind of the, the change that's happening that's here is going to be something. Mm. So, it, and it's going to be effective for the next six months, but, the, but for a lot longer than that too, because it's going to be a, a change that, that, that is enduring. Sure. And yeah, I mean, if, and this is one of the things that also um, Gordon White talks about this a lot about like, um, not just looking at the chart when you're doing your uh, forecasts and predictions, but also looking at uh, socio-political events right. and this kind of thing, right? So there, there have been a lot of talks about natural gas and what's going on with natural gas and is there going to be scarcity or wheat or, um, you know, there I've heard about like um, 
working worker shortages or uh strikes taking place like um right now there's a mercury retrograde going on and um there's a railroad strike taking place mm -hmm. and so like this yeah. kind of thing right so looking at geopolitical events in the context of this moment then we look at that uranus and taurus there and we'd be like okay well so there's going to be some difficult disruption as far as taurus things are concerned as to as far as like food and shelter and um you know like sort of basic uh necessities that sort of thing hugging i i always think about uh with as being super taurus as well mm -hmm. right so um so this idea that there's going to be lasting change from whatever happens in this moment wow. like mm -hmm. totally tracks if we just think about what's actually happening in the world right now right yeah, yeah. i mean and if you i don't know how familiar people are with like <laughs> the prices of things but like hay has has doubled or tripled in a lot of places mm. um and when diesel was so expensive i mean that's when farmers were putting out were cutting their hay or doing you know working on their crops um and that that has kind of a lag effect because mm. um, then the price of of beef is going to be very expensive because they're fed on hay and corn. Mm. Um, so that that's kind of uh, that that lag effect is 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 we have yet to see the mm. inflation of that. Precisely. But mm -hmm. also looking at this, and that's one of the things that'll happen with eclipses as well. Is there'll be yeah. like kind of a latent impact, like okay. sure on the day. Like the, you know, um, the nighttime insects will come out in the, in the daytime and all this sort of stuff, right? And so there will be a moment, like a liminal moment, but because eclipses take about six months to take place, then we're going to see this sort of latent, what's going to be like, um, the, the things that take place on this day are going to take six months at least to um, sort of play out. And, and that's very important. Visible. That's very important because this is actually election day. So mm. that's something that sure. is, is going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is when, when the, the midterms are. This is like literally the day of the midterms. Mm. Um, and in this chart, we see, so like this, the sun in, in mundane charts represents uh, the, the head of state. So this would presumably be Joe Biden if he's still alive. Um, and he's flanked by Mercury and Venus. Mercury represents the the media, you know, so like the media, the um, the talking heads, the chattering classes, those are still those are are behind the the, the president and behind the, the well, the, the Saturnian thing. I mean, in, in this chart, it's 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 the sun that kind of represents the establishment as far as like the um, is executive branch. Um, and Saturn also I mean, it represents a structure. But he also is representing the rural and the uh, agricultural classes. And mm. the, the, and so that's also interesting that he's squaring both the, 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 the sun and the moon, which represents the politically active class. Mm. So, but we also have Venus here um, bonifying uh, <laughs> the sun, though she's in her fall. And this could also be talking about um, the the abortion rights issues, which mm. is going to be driving a lot of uh, why people vote in um, in the, in this election. I mean, uh, it's it's kind of it, I don't know what's going to be happening in this election. Usually, in midterms, the party out of power uh, has a, a bit of a wave. You know, like the they take take some more seats in Congress and in, in the Senate potentially. Um, 
and we've been expecting that because uh, especially um, with there's been a lot of Biden has had a very low approval rating um, and with the inflation, with the gas prices and so on. But then there's also the, the abortion rights issues um, have gotten a lot of a lot of people on the, the Democrat side uh, ex- fired, up. fired up. Yeah. So. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get too political in this, but it, it, I mean, this is a mundane report. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens on, on election day. Hmm. And I mean, I think it's going to be, well, it's obviously going to be a big change, but in, Hmm. in what way we have yet to see Mm -hmm. though. I I think, I think we had a big eclipse in, uh, on the Sagittarius Gemini like axis as well on the, on the presidential election. Right. Mm -hmm. In yeah. 2020, um, which was large, you know, a lot of people have talked about how that election may or may not have been stolen and, and this kind of right. thing, you know, and, and there are people who are like, when was the last time an election wasn't stolen? You know, yeah. like there's, you know, the, so there's the, I think the darkness and the confusion that is signified by eclipses is, uh, is likely to come through here. Whatever mm-hmm. happens in that election is uh, likely to be contested. It's yeah. likely to be uh, thought of as fraudulent by whichever mm-hmm. side didn't win. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, and I would think that more than who gets elected is disruptive to the establishment. I would think that the election itself and the, the lack of faith in it and this kind of thing is more uh-huh. likely to be the thing that is uh, shouted so loudly about. We can also see that this is a Mercury Kazemi in Scorpio, yes. which is likely to be super emotional as well as likely to be um, you know, Scorpio likes to get down underneath the surface, right? Scorpions have a needle, right? What they do is they get down beneath the skin, the, uh-huh. uh, underneath the superficial layer, right? And so they want to sort of like, with Scorpio, you, you get a lot of stuff like uh, truth telling or something like this, or you m- might also get like um, the excavation of whatever secrets there had been or, or something like that, you know what I mean? And that being super emotional and uh, also destabilizing to the establishment that feels more resonant to me than like whatever the actual election results are right Does that yeah. make sense? That, yeah. that's a very important point that like whether or not the the rebels um win the whole the rebels. election itself is going to be uh, a uh it's going contested. to contest. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be a blow to the establishment as a whole. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's going to create, yeah. Cause I mean, you saw that with, with, with the, the presidential election too. It's like a lot of mm-hmm. people um, were disillusioned like on, on one side were disillusioned on the other side. I don't know. It's, 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 yeah, I, I get your point and I think it's very important. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also like to maybe look at this Libra ingress chart too, and see how that compares. So we have the lunar eclipse mm-hmm. chart so going back in time, right? So this was happening during Scorpio time. This is about a, a month and a half before that. Yeah. And so this is going to be happening um, the day after we release this podcast. So it's going to be the, the fall equinox. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is set for the uh, Washington, D.C. So this is for the, the, the whole country, the country as a whole. And this we have also a sort of T-square going on, but that's, and we have this kite formation, <laughs> but we have the sun right down here in in uh, in Libra, just entering Libra, and there's almost a Kazemi with him and and uh, Mercury here, 
it's like, I think it's, is it, what, what do you do for it? Cause you mean 24 degrees, 24 minutes or, uh, I just do the same uh, degree. So I would call this a Mercury Kazemi. Okay. So we've got another Mercury Kazemi here. We also have- This um, is the retrograde Mercury Kazemi, right? So this is to yeah. say that Mercury is retrograde in this moment and is conjunct the sun. So that that next Mercury Kazemi that at the, at the, um, the so, or eclipse that we just talked about, then that's gonna be Mercury has already been retrograde, has stationed direct and is now going forward and is passing the sun. So uh -huh. that's gonna be- uh, a different feel usually with the uh the retrograde one then it'll be something a little more internal there'll be um some some thoughts or some feelings that need to be uh engaged with here um seeing these in libra uh and ruled by venus it's interesting that uh so much is ruled by venus both times and that venus yeah. is in rough condition both times we can see that yeah. venus is in fall in virgo here opposite to neptune um, that's not going to be, uh, I don't know, like that's, you wouldn't want to make a talisman at this moment. Right? No. <laughs> it's not a good election. Um, yeah, no, this is, this would be a cursed talisman. Mm. Uh, I mean, you have sure. Yeah, you could do that. You definitely could make that talisman for sure. <laughs> I would not recommend doing that because uh, you, the, the main thing about that is like, you have to carry a grenade. Right. At that point, you make it and then you have to carry it to your target, you know, yeah. and so much shit can happen to you in the meantime, especially with Uranus right on the rising. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not really in favor of uh, cursing. Yeah, cursing in general. Like, I don't I don't do that. I know some people like to do that. It's fine. But um, I, I personally don't do this. I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, support doing that. But this would be a cursed talisman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. If you made a Venus like or a, a Venus talisman in this moment, it would not. Um, it would not bring beneficence and glory into your life. Sure. No, no. And, and and really like this, this Uranus in the North Node is right on the ascendant is just, it's, mm -hmm. it's, that's bodes uh, for a lot of big changes and okay. uh, mm -hmm. big, yeah. North Node, big. Expanding. <laughs> yeah. And Uranus, at the same time though. Yeah. Like we, we still see that Saturn is in the overcoming position. Right. Saturn is on the midheaven more or less, you know, is in, is in the 10th whole sign house is over, strongly overcoming that Uranus, you know? And so this is, this is still, Saturn still is in power at, yeah. at this point. Saturn's influence has begun to wane, but is not like waning at this point. Right. So we've still got strong Saturn. This is Uranus who definitely wants to rile things up, wants to shake things up, wants to be disruptive and chaotic and sudden unexpected changes and all that sort of stuff. And that's going to be a lot for Saturn to have to deal with, mm -hmm. but Saturn is still winning in this moment. Saturn is still able to keep that lid on it for another few months. And so we also have the sun um, still flanked by Mercury and Venus and Venus is a bonifying influence. Um, and Mercury is like the, the, the media, the mouth, the mouthpieces of, of the larger collective. So the, um, the, the head of state is still is, is, is has, is in a little bit of a better position. However, this Saturn on in the 10th house um this can also represent a fall from a high position. So like Adolf Hitler had this, um, JFK had this, uh, Azalea Banks. What? Natalie, you mean? Natalie, yes, Natalie. Mm -hmm. um, Azalea Banks also had this, uh, has this. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, 
fall. <laughs> so yeah, get to a high position and then fall from it is, uh-huh. is, is one of the reasons. I mean, Elizabeth II also has this. I mean, she died recently, and um, but I, she she didn't like. I don't know if you can call that a fall. Right, exactly. Everyone she made it to ninety six. Everyone, <laughs> she loved to be ninety. Yeah, <laughs> ninety six. Um, so. So that it's not like it happens every time, but it, it does. It does often correlate to a a fall from a high position. So this this you know we could see a major uh, political figure um, potentially either falling from like being impeached or dying or something like that. That's possible. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, to to predict difficult politics in the united states is Not, to yeah. say that water is wet right you know? like, <laughs> exactly we, we know that the united states political machine is in trouble right it's now a mess it is yeah. and this this definitely shows that so uh see i don't want to get too far into like going through each of the houses or anything like that we don't need to delineate things if you do want to see like a, a delineation of all the houses and so on um, I would suggest uh, checking out John Michael Greer's Patreon. He does that. Um, I just wanted to to get, I, and I'm just kind of getting my feet wet into mundane astrology. So the but those kind of charts are is is, is how I want to do it. So I like seeing the visual yeah. with it as I'm learning about this stuff too. So I think that's kind of helpful because like especially when you're talking about the T square being like an arrow or a bow and arrow like a bow that you're pulling the string on like that looks like that in the chart you know so that was that was cool um okay so um just to 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 finish up this saturn and uranus because the saturn and uranus square is in both these charts and it's something that's happening it's been happening over a period of years and Mm -hmm. this is about two and a half years old at this point and so this is the last time. So Saturn is going retrograde. He's going to go. He's going backwards, um, and then he's going to he's going to station again at like eighteen degrees of Aquarius, and then go forwards again. And Neptune is at sixteen degrees of Taurus. Uh, not Neptune. Uh, Uranus. Uranus is at sixteen degrees of Taurus. So the the square is not going to perfect. Saturn is not going to get to sixteen degrees of Taurus before he turns back around and goes forward again um yeah they get within half a degree or something like that okay yeah so it's it's the, but it doesn't Close, but no cigar yeah <laughs> so so what 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 has been happening with this saturn and um uranus square when it has perfected and and what do you think it means that it doesn't perfect sure um i don't actually think that we need a real perfection uh-huh. Uh, from Uranus in, in order for Uranus to my thought around that is very much around this whole like um, Uranus has been trying to uh, sort of throw a monkey wrench into the the Saturn system for this whole period of time and just like one right. wrench after the next is just getting tiresome for Saturn and so those perfection <laughs> moments those had been like big deals and all this you know like mm-hmm. and we've seen like all these like different there there is famine already happening in lots yeah. of places in the world shout out to Sri Lanka yeah. um you know and there's uh ongoing climate crisis and mm-hmm. there's you know more and more of these kinds of things uh worker shortages all this sort of stuff and that has all 
um, showed up throughout this time. I don't feel like we need a super perfect aspect. It's within half a degree. It's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because they're slow planets as well, then like, we're going to get that half a degree conjunction for like a month or something like this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a, it's a huge period of time. Um, where we're going to have this super close aspect. And so whenever that happens, then that means that we're also, every time the moon goes through a fixed sign, then it's going to square or oppose or conjoin those planets as well. And so every time the moon goes through there, that's going to be on a weekly basis. We're going to be feeling um, mm-hmm. this Saturn-Uranus thing showing up here. And so that's like, that's a monkey wrench a week, just going into the into the program. And so as far as Saturn is concerned, I feel like Saturn is just going to like, you know, they're just getting some holes, just taking damage at this point, you know, mm-hmm. like still trying to do the thing, but like not, you know, th- at no point regaining the kind of glory that it uh, likes to think of itself as. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I just got this, this image of like, like with, with, uh, there's going to be this intense tension, right? The square. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, like the moment of perfection is kind of like um, a, a, a loosening a uh like a hmm. like a, an epiphany a uh something that ha- that 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 uh, the consummation a uh, release you know sure and so mm-hmm. like this the square just it doesn't it just it is grinding but never mm-hmm. gets to a point of like release i don't know sure. yeah mm-hmm. and so with that in mind we might not expect to see um a break kind of moment where you know where the if we if we continue the monkey wrench in the machine metaphor you know we might not see a moment where it like where the the whole thing breaks down because the monkey wrench got in it hit the spot and it stopped the whole thing from moving i don't think we're going to see that moment i think it's just going to be more and more of this like saturn just continues to take damage and take a little more damage it's like saturn's health bar has just been going down this whole time you know and it's getting less and less and it's just like and and so it's that you know and saturn's job is to endure and so saturn has been doing that has been enduring all sorts of unrest and all sorts of like wild upset and stuff like this you know like there's all this you know the whole uh medical apparatus you know and has has seen so many like um you know people have been critical and people have said that this or that thing is not the way or whatever it is right and like with with the studies for days and all this sort of stuff right and the machine has continued to just operate throughout that whole time and so i think that that's likely what we're going to see in this moment right like i said i don't think saturn stays in power like this for you know once we get to march 2023 saturn moves into pisces and then after that bets are kind of off a little bit as far as uh, what Saturn's going to do. But as far as this particular moment of Saturn Uranus, I think you're right. You're, it probably doesn't turn into a break moment. It's just like continually enduring those pot shots. Wow. Okay. okay. So um, in terms of uh, good news, maybe, is there any good news? I don't know. But um, Jupiter does return back to Pisces, um, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be good. Um, Jupiter has been in Pisces uh, for bits and pieces uh, for the last two years, like went in, went back out, went back in, then went through it into Aries, and then now it's going back back in, back in, into it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, now traditionally, Jupiter rules Pisces, 
Um, and in, in the modern uh, Neptune rules Pisces, Neptune is currently in Pisces, and Neptune mm-hmm. is very confusing, very uh, ma- uh, mass mind, um, unifying, but it, it's, it, <laughs> it, uh, to me, Jupiter in Pisces has been very influenced by the Neptune there. Mm-hmm. Um, but so how, how has your experience of Jupiter and Pisces been? Are you looking forward to this, this return of Jupiter to Pisces? Right. Um, <laughs> personally, I am not super looking forward to it. It's not not in the way that I was when uh, Jupiter was going to enter Pisces and it was all moving. It was full, mm. full steam ahead and all this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there there was a lot of like um, excitement for the imagination that could take place there and the the sort of like, um, I don't know, artistic excitement and, and um, you know, that that that's also big people have talked about uh, Neptune and Pisces as being big psychedelic energy and this kind of like a uh, global weirdening of what's going on in the world. And, and so Jupiter has been really strongly like excited about that, like mm-hmm. say yes to the witch and, and all this kind of stuff, you know? Um, so that has been fun for sure. Um, as Jupiter moves back this time into Pisces, um, it's it's got to deal with this overcoming square from Mars and Gemini the whole time. So uh-huh. it's not like we get nice Jupiter stuff. I think that it is potentially ameliorating to the the Mars stuff and getting back to what AC had st- had said before. Or no, 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 that I don't remember who said it. Somebody was talking about Jupiter as being a moderating influence, right? Mm-hmm. And then using moderating herbs as like as a way to sort of. Um, think outside of the extremity that Mars is going to show up with. And so I think that like, Le- I think Jupiter is likely to help with the Mars thing, mm-hmm. but it's not likely to feel like nice Jupiter things. Gotcha. Mm. I like, see. Jupiter is going to be like sort of conscripted to dealing with Mars. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so, and that Mars so, you know, I, getting back to my sort of like idea about authorities and uh, generals and this sort of stuff, like Mars in uh, Gemini doesn't have good information. Mars in Gemini is going to be square to Neptune this whole time. And so it's mm-hmm. going to be like wildly confusing, don't really know uh, what the real thing is. And that's part of uh, why I was thinking with like Saturn getting a little desperate and kind of not caring if the if the info is good or something like that because we need to make these moves right now and so go do it and if you blow the wrong thing up like we'll we'll fix that later you know what i mean so um i i sort of you know that's the uh, mars and gemini squared and neptune that gets that confusion right and jupiter it i don't know is jupiter gonna make that less confusing like jupiter confirms things jupiter affirms jupiter says yes to stuff so jupiter is going to say yes to neptune and pisces neptune is already super comfortable in pisces whether or not you consider neptune to be ruling pisces or not there's no question as to whether or not neptune just loves the deep ocean like that and so um so if jupiter's job is to affirm neptune then and neptune wants to be like why don't we confuse everyone it's all the same stuff (laughs) then like that looks to to me to be extremely confusing to that Mars. Um, and so so this will probably two things. One, it'll probably confuse the target. So Mars is going to want to it's going to want to Mars things. It's going to want to solve a problem. Right. But it might solve the wrong problem. It might hit the wrong target. 
um, you know, especially with um, Gemini placements, they and Mercury stuff gets really concerned about the minutia, right? The little, the little things. And so I would, I would guess that there's probably going to be a focus on the small thing that ignores some other part that is actually crucial to the whole thing. And so like the operation, the Mars operation doesn't work very well. And that's part of the reason why it takes eight months to, to take place. You have to like continue, ah, oh, shit didn't work. And like, oh, I'm gonna try it again. And like, but still ha still sort of ignoring the thing over here, right? So yeah. that's possible. As, <coughs> excuse me, as well as um, Mars in Gemini, like square to, uh, to Jupiter and Neptune, that's that's going to want to sort of um, like there's a lethargy or a laziness there, right? So mm -hmm. part of the reason why you hit the wrong target might be because you like willingly looked the other way or something like that. I see. Yeah. Well, it also might be because you're so so Marsy. Uh, you've got you're so inflamed and so rageful mm -hmm. that it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Sure. And I think mm -hmm. this is a really important uh, point to remember that uh, Bayo Okumalafe quote, you know, what if the, the, uh, the <laughs> response to the problem is part of the problem? Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's like, you know, as we were saying about Mars and, and Gemini, and first, when you're rushing, you make more mistakes. You know, it, it is a good time to, to moderate that and slow down mm -hmm. and be really sure about what you're going to do before you do it. If you're going to do anything. Mm. Yeah. Bio Kumalafe's whole thing is like uh, sort of against interventionism, right? This idea mm. that something needs to be done, that I have to go do something that I have to solve this problem. So with Mars in uh, Gemini, there's likely to be an imperative to solve a problem, a like feeling of, of I have to go and push on this thing or do something because it's, it's caving in on me. I have to do something right now. And then finding, it's likely to find throughout that and this is like Bio Kamalafe's point is that like, do you really help if yeah. you get mired in that situation? You know, like it turns out it's quicksand over there. So you got into that situation and now you're sinking too. And so like, mm -hmm. yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. That, that Mars retrograde, if it's just like extra Mars is going to be more, more desirous of, of action. <laughs> Whether, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's going to want to do something for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's going to want, in Gemini, it's going to shout about it. It's going to be like, we have to do it now. We've got to do it now. You know, right. like super loud. So this is one of the reasons that I, I, I have gotten off of social media for <laughs> this period. That's one of the things I'm doing. Um, do you have any any ways that you're preparing for the, the this uh, this arc of, of time. Mm, mm, interesting. Well, I work on social media, so you can yeah. still find me on Instagram, <laughs> um, uh, throughout this time. Uh, yeah, we well, so it's, in the, it's, it, I'm sorry, what? I was saying we need you on there. So keep sure. <laughs> word. Yeah. It's, um, Mars and Gemini that's in my 12th. So um, I expect a, a fair bit of insanity from my part. Um, wow. I, you know, like to, for me, it's going to be very much about sort of um, finding the things that, the, what I mentioned in my podcast about the, this mm -hmm. is throughout this whole period of time, be sure to nourish the moon. Ah, yeah. Because the moon 
is super uncomfortable all the time. We talked a little bit about how the, the moon in Taurus is supposed to be so great in Taurus, but then it's got these eclipses and and Uranus is there and it's got to deal with a square to Saturn. And it's just like, it's so difficult on the moon all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the moon, that that is the area of the chart which has to do with body and mind. It has to do with emotional concerns. It, it's the thing that is sort of like concerned with the vicissitudes of everyday living, this sort of like, um, I wasn't hungry two hours ago, but I'm hungry now, or um, you know, all of that sort of like ups and downs of just living in a body. This yeah. is correlated with the moons always moving through the signs super quickly and always changing aspect relationships and uh, sign rulership relationships and all this sort of stuff. It moves super quickly, right? And so um, to see the moon so uncomfortable so consistently for so long then shows us that the moon is going to be depleted in your life, right? So you, so it's a good time to make sure that you're eating food, that you're drinking water, that you're sleeping properly, uh -huh. like, you know, just, and being sure to do that on a regular basis. One of the things that um, clients keep coming in and keep being like, when's the break? When do I get a break? And I keep having to be like, dog, we, th that was the nineties. Like we did, <laughs> we did the break already. There's no break. <laughs> yeah, we don't get a break at this point. So, Right. So rather than like saving up your rest until you can go on vacation, mm -hmm. you need to be sure right. that tonight yeah. you sleep enough and right. tomorrow night you sleep enough because mm -hmm. you're going to do this uh, every damn day. You, we don't have a vacation moment. We don't get a piece of uh, time where it's like two weeks of just chilling. We don't get that in this period of time. Mm -hmm. So rather than waiting for that period of time, instead we get, we, you just have to be sure to nourish your body on the regular, nourish your mind on the regular, make sure you're, uh, you know, check and see drugs is the other one that I, uh, uh, like to mention a lot. What's your drug use situation like? Are you using a lot? Are you using a little where, you know, like, and feel, feel that out, see how that is coming to like uh, body stuff, body and mind. All of these things have to do with how you feel in your body as well as how you feel in your mind. And so just nourishing and, and being aware of that, keeping your finger to the pulse of your own pulse all the time is mm -hmm. likely to be something that's um, good medicine throughout this time. Yeah. Mm, thank you for that. Yeah, that's really good advice. Cause there seems to be like this, like waiting for exhale or like this vibe of like, when do we return mm -hmm. to normal? It's like, mm -hmm. no, there, there's none of that. It's like, you have to figure out how to be comfortable in your own body, in your own space. On sure. Your yeah. Yeah. Comfort is a really good moon word there. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is like getting comfortable with uncertainty yeah mm -hmm. you know like you're not you're probably not gonna find a clear this is obviously the correct path right yeah um but we're likely to see this mars imperative where it's like okay i gotta do something i can't just be here i can't not move i gotta do something mm -hmm. and so you know getting comfortable with that uncertainty being like look I'm going to do some stuff. And at least if I do some stuff in the wrong direction, then I'll know that was the wrong direction. I'll have learned things, right? Gemini is, um, you know, 
there's a lot to be said about Gemini and storytelling and narrative and lying perhaps and this kind of thing. But Gemini is also very good at learning things, uh -huh. especially, you know, like taking notes and getting an idea of how the details operate together and this kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. so if you are Mars and gemini in a direction and it turns out that that's like kind of harmful or it's not that much better than what you had been doing before or something like this, then at least, you know, now. Yeah. You and exactly you learn things from that and so um so being comfortable with that uncertainty and being able to move and operate whether or not i know what the what the single universal one truth one right correct answer is mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah i think that's an important thing to remember too is like yeah being comfortable with uncertainty because nobody really knows a lot of mm -hmm. people say they know um, a lot of people have good ideas, have educated guesses, mm -hmm. um, but it's the only thing you can be certain of right now <laughs> is uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. That's a good one. And that's why it's kind of really cool to like do these astrological forecasts and to like, you know, think about things because it's kind of giving us a little bit of like a map to guide us in mm -hmm. these moments of uncertainty. So really appreciate all of your expertise that you're bringing to the table Zamboni and and appreciate your time and thank yeah thank you for for being here today and exploring these concepts with us so yeah for sure thanks for having me thanks for listening to me and my wild theories about generals and shit <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about this for a little while so like yeah. it's nice to have somebody be like what do you think well yeah. I'll tell you I have yeah. thoughts <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, this, yeah. this has been great. Thanks for another good forecast. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.